Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wall spot, eh? Welcome everyone to Wolves Fancast. Adam here as your host, along with Stu, Jeffo and Josh to relive the misery of yesterday's 2-1 defeat away to the cannon fodder, the playthings <laughs> of the Premier League, Sheffield United. Um, thank you to all of those joining us live on YouTube across the world. Um, well, our subscribers. Uh, if you want to get your comments in live, then please get involved and we'll react to them when we see them. Um, first off, guys, how are we doing? You took 54 seconds, according to the live timer, to mention misery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a wonderful morning. Hello. Bingo. <laughs> I'm just setting this up for what's to come, really. All the misery. I would have had misery if you hadn't pulled down your out-of-date clock, Stu, from the wall before we began. <laughs> that was, that was I behind the curtain before Fancast went live. Look, there's not a nail, a nail to hang myself <laughs> off. It. That's where the clock normally is. Uh, Jeff, oh, Josh, how are we doing? Alive. Yeah. No, not too bad. That's a good start. Uh, you know, as, as well as you can be after that. Whatever, well, what can I be described as a football game yesterday? <laughs> As discussed, probably just disastrous weekend of sport, you know. Um, at least we can hang Robert Jones off that uh, nail beyond his head, <laughs> that nail beyond Stu. <laughs> you know, that won't be the bit that won't make up for it. <laughs> we'll get to Robert Jones later. Is it his fault? Who knows? But first, uh, first, an announcement, people. For, um, for what I'm going to be nice, I'm not horrible all the time. Hmm. I, I spent the morning at the soft play at the uh, Wolverhampton swimming. Uh, what is it? What's it even called? Wolverhampton swimming and fitness area, something like that. What, um, Bentley Bridge? Yeah, the Bentley Bridge swimming place. That's yeah. The one. yeah. Um, so I, I said I'd say I'll give him a little nephew Ruri, a little hello. Um from Trowbridge near Bath. It's nothing to do with me. He's chosen to support Wolves <laughs> off his own back. Ruri. So a lifetime of misery. Again, bringing it back in shoes. And but saying so it's DNA, it's not DNA, obviously, because he's through marriage, but there is evidence of his mom here in 1994. Old Molly, you there looking away from the camera. <laughs> so she can <laughs> deny it all the ones, but her and lovely wife there and brother in law, who are both Villa fans apparently, at Molly before Villa Park. <laughs> Duly converted. And hopefully they listen tonight so they can. Oh, they are. The misery with us. Yeah. Good morning, Elle. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, Stu, well, I mean, as you're our kind of reporter in the field, um, apart from the game, which we'll obviously get onto in a sec, how was the overall journey and selection of, of Northern pubs pre-game? I mean, we, we went to Worksop as our usual haunt before Sheffield United, um, as did the Tatters. <laughs> I think there was about four couch that four couches worth turned up um, altogether, so that was a bit of an invasion. The um, the selection of beers in the Weatherspoons was impressive, as you'd expect. Um, as always, yeah. <laughs> four four pound eight p for uh, the first two points with my old discount, which was an, a nice start. Um, but then we went to the uh, the pub around the corner, the Unicorn, to give it its its, uh, its comeuppance, which had a sign saying "Out of date crisps, buy one get one free." <laughs> and I thought, well, if this is going to be a sign of the day to come, then then so be it. But yeah, uh, we got there, and day was fine, six points standard. Got there, absolute mental mental crowds outside the ground. Stewards doing, I mean, it would have been preferable, you know that that whole thing at West Ham where it hardly patterned down at all. If they'd have done that, it would have been better because it was almost like strip like cavity searching every single person with 10 minutes to mm -hmm. go. And there was like 2000 people stuck outside. It was, it was overkill for no reason at all. So everyone piled in. So obviously when the, I got into my seat with about two minutes to go and the like, then the last post started, but you all you got all the people downstairs in the concourse, all shuffling through, obviously making a load of racket, which is kind of, mm -hmm. it wasn't the best look really. But again, <laughs> I'd forgot. I'd had my poppy on. I completely forgot that it was going to be played as well. So it's just one of them things. But when you, like everyone knows now, when you select your tickets for away games, you, you select it on the map so you know where you're going to be. The first time I've experienced this, that their map was wrong. So where where we thought we was going to be, what block we were going to be on the on the aisle because my mom's small, so she could see over not giants in front of her. So she had a little, little bit of gangway to look over. Nah, the complete opposite end of the stand. And I thought, well, this has happened before at Leeds where they, they give us the wrong block, which is it's got sorted. It was everyone. <laughs> everyone had got the wrong seat in the wrong place, which obviously increased the tension in a morning that was pissing down, freezing cold at seven to start with. We got there. It was even colder, obviously, going north. Um, thankfully, I had my £26 Sports Direct uh, Wolves Wenger jacket. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer sales um, to keep me warm, but that was just before kickoff, and it was already fucking miserable as anything. <laughs> but then we had the first half after we had the lineup. Yes, so um, about the game then. So um, there was obviously, well, there's obviously a, a few obvious talking points following the game yesterday, which we'll, we'll of course get to shortly, but. Firstly, there was the, the, the matter of which starting eleven was to take to the field. Now, as we know, we had an enforced change that we all knew about with, with Neto's injury ruling them out for the, the next few weeks anyway. So the changes we got were Big Sasa coming in for Neto and, and Tommy Doyle being rewarded for a few good showings lately, getting the nod over Booba T for a start against his former club. Um, Jeffo, did you think these were the, these, did you think these were the right calls? I mean, you, you always want to give somebody a chance with like Tommy Doyle against his old club. It's always that that you know football cliche that, that everyone you know performs well against the team they used to play for. But I, I just don't know. I don't, might it just be hindsight with me that thinking that Doyle and Lamina isn't going to be a combo that works too well because they tend to be standing on top of their toes too too much. And we didn't really see particularly yesterday the best from Lamina, but. <sighs> 
bit of a contrary has done well when he's been involved in the side and, and the fact that you've got Joe Gomez as well on the bench, who is arguably the best midfielder at the club at the moment. Maybe it wasn't the right choice, but I say hindsight's a beautiful thing. So uh, maybe they should have gone with that. But Gary's been doing a good job recently, so I can't really uh, complain too much. Yeah, Josh, what are, your, what are your thoughts on the lineup? I did I've put in like one of the group chats before the game. It had earmarks of bullied in midfield, you know, and I thought <laughs> I did think that a little bit like Tommy Tommy Doyle looks a good player, but it's a little bit you go away cliche like cliches again. You're giving away from home, you want a bit of steel in that midfield and stuff, don't you? And I I didn't you know, I just thought all oh, chance we get bullied in midfield and it kinda of turned out to be that in the second half. But I think for me the biggest talking point was I expected Sarabia to play. And I think it's pretty damning that he didn't even get... Did he even come on? I don't. I can't remember if he come on or not. No. Didn't even come on. He's like, in theory, he's the, the netto backup. And he didn't even get a chance against bottom of the league, Sheffield United. I think his wall's career is practically over in it, really. I'd say so. I'd say so. Stu, what, what are your, your thoughts? I mean, you'd, you'd like to think, you know, this always happens against us, isn't it? When a player comes up against his older club, he turns in a Pele-like performance, but, you know, we didn't really get that yesterday, did we? But um, Sasa, Doyle, right decisions, or should we have picked someone else in midfield to partner Lamina? He was sensible, I thought, at the time. Um, the, the former club thing doesn't seem to happen for us, does it? it, it I can't <laughs> no. think of a, t- a single time where it has. And obviously, people in the comments, if you can think of one, put, put it up now. But, yeah, I thought... Tommy Doyle's a weird one because obviously we, we saw the debacle at Ipswich where he was awful, like everyone was. Um, second half at Bournemouth, he was the best player on the pitch. And his little cameos, he's looked promising. So it was it was well-deserved, I thought. But again, there was that that talk of, do you want to be throwing someone who's a bit of a baller into a game like this, which is going to be a bit of um, nettles and thorns kind of experience. But why not? The kid deserves his chance. Um and so did Sasha. I mean, he, he's waited patiently. He's only had some drabs here and there because of obviously what happened to him. So it made sense. Um, I, I wasn't overly concerned. And then as the first half <laughs> carried on, it, it looked like it was going to be the right idea, really. Yeah, so about, about the game then. So we we come into this game five games unbeaten and we were coming up against, and correct me if I'm wrong, statistically the worst Premier League team in history at this stage of the season. Um, so you'll be forgiven, I suppose, if Wolves fans had reason to be uh, confident, let's say. But we've seen this film too many times before, haven't we, to know that maybe we shouldn't really be shocked by what transpired. I mean, stripey team, kick curse for a start, isn't it? I mean, I don't think... I think striper, striper kits just be banned because <laughs> we, we never seem to get much joy. And I'm looking at you, Huddersfield, when I, when I think of that. Um, so w- what did we make of the first half then, guys? I mean, it seemed to me like it was quite a, a, a scrappy a scrappy affair, really. Like, as, as you said before, you know, it, it wasn't going to be, certainly from Sheffield United's side, much quality on display because their team is just mostly effort, effort, effort and run your socks off, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, but saying that, I did think that we had we had them on the ropes for a little bit in that first half. And they they looked 
every inch that are side that are shit. And <laughs> and you know, I mean, they, it's just speakers we find they are. When you look at the things like this week, Cunha was running through them at ease at times, and it was just so frustrating again. I mean, you looked at the, look at the actual chances created. There was not not really anything at all other than the, the one the save over the bar and the one that hit out Nuri, which everyone sagged him off at the time. Um, but then on replay, you think, yeah, he couldn't really do much more. Obviously, if that was against us, it would have gone in because that's what that's how these things yeah. happen. Um, yeah. But it, it just screamed out that we really are a one-man team and without him, where was the goals going to come from? Because if that's your best two chances and you're going into half-time, it's really not good enough, is it? I think you argue back to what, to what Josh said, actually, earlier. And I, I'm, for me, for one, I, you know, Sarabia is what he is. But it's like you, you're putting square pegs in round holes again. You've got Mateus Kuhn, you're playing a bit of a free role, but playing off the right, he's not a winger. He's barely a number nine. How do you create chances when you've got players who don't play in a position that, that you know, that's... They're they're put in by a manager. You know that that's not his role. And you've got someone like Sarabia can play as a winger, sitting on the bench. You know you've got Belgaard could probably play as a wide player more than Cunha. But you put a striker out there who's, who's say like a nine and a half, not quite a nine, not quite a ten, and in a in a wide position, you expect him to create chances. It's it's not fair on him, and it's it's certainly not fair to say we aren't creating enough chances when you're playing players out of position. That's down to the managers. Yeah. Yes, what you reckon, Josh? You um, uh, first half, how do you think it went? I, I don't really know. I think it's hard to say, isn't it? Because Sheffield United is going to dig in. It's going to be a performance where, like we've done it many a time, you dig in, they've got five at the back, get, you know, Eckenbottom's going to go out and gone. They'll give him nothing to give him the half time with. It's the game, you know, I've saw they put in a couple of like meaty tackles and stuff like that. It's probably typical. You thought, get into these like foreign players and you might get someone off and they might give you a reward. It's raining, it's Yorkshire. You know, like when we went there <laughs> in our promotion season on a Tuesday night. It had like, it just had such a vibe off. like that. Yeah, like it just had a vibe of that of like get under our skin and things. And okay, I guess, yeah, I know it just hit him, didn't it? Like you say, it would have gone in for anyone else. But it's. It's hard to say because you, you then you've you made two changes to start the game. You're playing five at the back. You're not going to create much against the five at the back. The big thing that disappointed me is obviously player for player, we are a better team than them and we haven't come away with a win. That's really frustrating for me. I like it that you, um, you said it's, this is Yorkshire. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, when like, you go to Galatasaray and they have welcome to hell, people <laughs> to have welcome to Yorkshire. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just going to put them off. Well, the, the picture of Pi and Sean Bean either side of the letters. Sean Bean just saying, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you just know what I mean now, don't you? Look, like, this is your, you just see what's going to happen. He just had that vibe before the game. I was like, I said to him, it's like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it today. And like, you just knew what was going to happen. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, like I say, it's quite a scrappy affair. I mean, like, chances-wise, I think we had, like, uh, the Samedo had a, had a snapshot, as we said before. Kenya's effort was tipped over the bar. The Huang and Nori, bit of calamity there. Um, were we guilty sometimes of overplaying, reckon, in the first half? And I'm thinking specifically 
and there was a chance, I think it was Cunha who put Samedo through and he chose to like square or pass when he, he, he should have, they had a really good chance to, to, to shoot. And that was a standard example I can think of. But I think there were some others where we'd not lost possession quite needlessly of, of, of over, from my view anyway, a bit of guiltiness of overplaying. Do, do you tend to agree with that in the first half? Or we, could we have been a bit more direct? One thing I do think is, I know it's skipping ahead a little bit, but we'd never score that goal Sheffield United scored in the second half, would we? <laughs> we would never get that from 25 yards out. When was the last time we had a one on one? But we'd never have a player take a shot from 25 yards out like that, would we? <laughs> well, we did, but he's in Saudi Arabia now. <laughs> yeah, well, like running through on goal and stuff, we'd be trying to walk it around the keeper. And that, I can't remember the last time we scored a genuine one on one. But it's one of them, though, in that game, how many times. In the last sort of three or four years, have we dominated a game with possession like that? It's like sixty plus percent. When you when you're developing a side of play and, and what O'Neill's doing on the track on the training pitch, <clears throat> the basis of it and like the 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 foundation of it is to, to be a counter attacking team, and that's what Wolves' identity has been since we've back, been back in the Premier League. You know, even from Nuno's time, we, and we've never really developed a style of play. When we've where we've been able to create chances in a, in a as you say price in a more direct way um when we've played against teams who've, who've been in the bottom five bottom six of the league and and it's telling really that they're still to this day you know how many years later that we've still not been able to do it but it's it's something that needs to be worked on over weeks and and i know o'neill came across very well on the monday night football when he was doing the, kind of the tactics but something that you do over a week or a couple of weeks ain't really going to make an effect in an overall gameplay style. It, it, you know, it's a lot to ask to, to change a whole philosophy and a whole ethos um, in a bunch of players in, in a sh- such a small period of time, you know, with the, with the game that he was talking about in, on Monday, on the Monday night when he was on, you know, we were still very much a counter-attacking team and we played to our strengths. But when we're, we're asked to break teams down, it's the same old, same old. We all since we've been back, we can't do it. We can't um, create chances quick enough. We don't move the ball quick enough, and we're not we're not um, doing enough with the progression. There's too many touches. There's t- t- as you say, overplaying it. Too many passes. It, it's uh, it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean this this stat surprised me. Um, that Doyle had 91.9 percent passing accuracy. Mm, didn't see that coming. Because. <laughs> There was a lot of sideways and backwards, like Carl Henry sideways and backwards in that. And he, he didn't seem to stand out whatsoever for me. And I think that comes to what you said, Jeff, that it is a, a, a change of style, that we are trying to keep the ball at last and not just hit people on the break all the time. Um, but a bit, maybe a bit like the start of Arteta's reign at Arsenal, where you, you had things like this as well, where it was overplaying for overplaying sake. Um, but also... Is that kind of a a fear of going forward and, and having a shot themselves because other than Huang and Neto, no one else does anything or scores? It's hard to say though, isn't it? Like, but it's Sheffield United, they ain't gonna you're gonna have to be tedious, they're not gonna just uh, they're never gonna give you the game and we haven't we haven't got the initiative, especially that Neto, to take the game to people, have we? And I guess that's the other thing I would have said about playing Doyle is as much as because we never get that uh, old uh, club curse, do we? You'd have thought Sheffield don't know what he's going to bring to the game, you know. So maybe you switch it away from that and don't play him and do something different. I guess hindsight, but I'd have said at the time, like, oh, don't because you know what 
he's them three midfielders at Sheffield United, like they know what he's going to bring. You know, they're going to get at him in there and things like that, where maybe a different option might have just helped us. It's quite interesting there, the, the comments that we're getting coming through on YouTube. Matt Bradley there saying thought there was toying with them at, at the time. And Sean Crow saying that, you know, we've only got two good players in our, in our team, essentially. One of them's currently hurt, as he says, currently laid up at the moment. Um, I, you made an interesting point earlier about like, um, Sarabia because, you know, he's it was advertised, I think, on some other podcast medium that he's like our highest earning player. And by some stretch as well, he is. At the minute, he just doesn't he doesn't get a look in at all, does he? I mean, no. apart from his 15 minutes against Bournemouth, which was against 10 men and he didn't do anything. <laughs> um, I can't think of... And obviously, he's played in the League Cup, but he hasn't... It just seems as well that O'Neill just doesn't... Either can't find the space for him or just quite simply doesn't rate him. But I think... Do you not get like a little bit of a feeling from Sarabia? There might be a touch of the Geddes is here and that he just doesn't want to be here. Definitely not. I don't. I don't know. You know. I mean, at least that video he did when he when he first came, when they were his wife was expecting, it seemed like he genuinely did want to be here and, and to have him in the leadership group. Apparently, I just don't think he's good enough. <laughs> um, I think Geddes is just a twat. I mean, he always has been his whole career. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, he is, and he wants to stay where he is now. Good. We don't want to see him again. And from reports that you hear that a lot of the players don't either with Sarabia he seems to be quite popular around the place so I think he's just not good enough <laughs> or or not built for this league like maybe other That's people we're going to bring up there's other players in this team that are not built for this league as well but we'll come on to him later <laughs> well so we'll move on to the second half and kind of I think Sheffield United were kind of about at the traps quickest in the second half and at least certainly for like the first 15 minutes of the second half they kind of have us on the back foot a bit um they said neither keeper was troubled and duly really for that first like sort of 15 20 minutes of the second half Sasson so this is what happens I think probably as we would have expected You slagged off too many people, Bryce. That you've uh, you, you cut you off. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right. Um, I'll remove him and put him back on in a second. Um, but Sasha was. Did he trouble the keeper at all? Um, I don't think he did, because <laughs> it was. <laughs> and to that point, did either keeper even considering it, it was so wet and so rainy? Did either keeper have to have a wash at half time? <laughs> because you you come in that second half, and like Price was saying there before he went pixelated, um, they came at us. <laughs> we had no answer. And yeah, you think this has happened before? Remember that one? I think it was Chris Fisher put on Twitter where they kind of they lawned it out of the tunnel at half time and didn't look up for it at all. And it was the yeah. same again. We're giving that encouragement now, giving in nil at half time. That was he Heckingbottom would have said before the game, nil at half time. And then your fans are on side, you get the fans to believe, don't you? It's cliche as anything, but the truth, that's how it works. You give them, you give the fans an inch and they're going to get behind the team, isn't they? And you and they'd have thought, Heckingbottom would have looked at that before the season and gone, that's a winnable game, that is. We could have been top of the league 
win every game <laughs> slow, and they're gone win a ball game because it's just wolves into it's just in our DNA. Yeah, and there's always going to be that sort of level of frustration that comes from playing in that first half because you know our teams. It, we do have created some chances and we played we played well. That's probably one of the better first halves for a while. And it's it was sort of you go in at half time and you you're gonna be annoyed with yourself. And not eat and all those players who, who in the dressing room are gonna be annoyed. I'm not saying they get on each other's backs, but it's, there's always gonna be that thing in the back of your head, frustration is, is how the are we actually gonna score a goal in this game? Because it just felt like one of those and up to like before you know the Cameron Archer finish. It, it, it felt like it was going to peter to a nil-nil. It just felt like one of them games. It just it, Nothing that Wolves did looked like it was going to come off and frustrating. And I can't imagine how it feels uh, playing in that side when you, you're not creating up enough clear-cut chances and actually testing the goalkeeper like you said, because the goalkeeper did nothing uh, for Sheffield United. You know, he, he didn't really have a, a proper testing save to make. Are you back with us, Price? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's been summoned again. They'll remove him until he fixes it. No, neither keeper did have a save. And I did see some um, some ridiculous slag. Let's get on to the Archer goal a minute. I mean, <laughs> there was the usual people slagging off Jose Sarr um, somehow. But according to that, there was a stat that we'll, we'll, we'll probably like later. The XG on that goal... It was 0.03. And for your don't list there, Cameron Archer's goal was Sheffield United's first shot on target in 200 minutes of Premier League football. <laughs> because of course just it was. Have, just our luck, isn't it? You know, it's just one of them. I've got to give credit. Like, it's a great strike. And oh, I respect like the kahunas to take that on because I'll be running that right in on net. But the other thing I would say with the goal, it's just so frustrating as well. How have we like got so dragged over to the one side off one throwing? Hmm. We've been dragged over to that right hand side, and again, like that look, Totty kicks the ball and it bounces perfectly to Archer, doesn't it? And but it's just like how how is it? Where's the back? Where's the back three gone? You know, in theory, Totty's our most. He's on the left hand side of the back three. He's come all the way across, and that ball's gone through. And like you look who's running back, then like Booby Traore midfielder, and it's just like. How how has that kind of happened? Yeah, and then I mean, that, that that does sum it up. The fact that it was Totty who loses the ball there, or gets yeah. his gets his block rung. That why why is he over there in the first place? He just pace. That's what I thought. When that you look at the, how well drilled the systems have been against Man City and against Newcastle, and everyone's known their place. Everyone's been in their shape, and it's been nailed into them all week. And even Bournemouth, two weeks of planning for that one that one set piece for the goal. And then all of a sudden, it all just tits up because we're playing the worst team in the league. <laughs> a basic throwing sort of undoes us, like, how? Yeah, it's the most Wolves thing ever. But yeah. And they were on, they were only three to one to beat us as well. It's like the bookies knew that we'd mess it up. I had two quid on them to beat us one at half-time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have well, helped you know, by the way. I have, re- I have, I have relocated... <laughs> but I can see you already. I can see you talking about the goal, uh, which is what I was going to get on to um, next. Um, I mean, I think I mentioned, heard you mention just then. So I mean, it comes from a throw in deep in in their half, and it just goes all the way. Just goes all the way through, doesn't it? And then the, uh, they get a lucky deflection off Totty, or it, well, depending on 
how you see it, a lucky deflection, a lucky hit from close range or bad defending. And then, to be honest, I never expected what Arshu did next, to be honest. I just thought... <laughs> no one did. And yeah, exactly. No, no one did because I thought it either... He'd either try and run it to you know, either too wide or Bubakar catch it with him or try a snapshot and he wouldn't go anywhere. No way in the world I expect him to do what he did. He could be out there all day today try, and he wouldn't replicate that, what he did yesterday. Um, but that was a bit of a kick in the dick, wasn't it, really? That, that, that strike. <laughs> you can just see everyone just deflate. Like, every everyone... It, it was almost we haven't seen that very often this season, and apart from apart from Ipswich, but even then they kind of stepped up again. But to to play so so play so well to be so dominant in that first half to then shit the bed and then that happened. It's almost like well we've seen this we've seen this tale told over and over again in the past. Um, and what are you gonna do? You just knew what was coming, didn't you? Like it's just it's always boring sometimes. Just you knew like we're on such a good run of momentum as well. You're thinking like, oh, I saw a stat, Wolves could be up to eighth, the host will be his eighth, lowest will be his tenth if they win. I'm thinking, you just know what's gonna come, we're gonna lose. <laughs> the good vibes always stop. I mean, Jeffo, did you reckon that because Saar was backpedalling at the time that sort of inhibited his chances of getting better hand contact on the ball or was it just the element that had been taken by surprise by what was to be honest a, a pinpoint shot that Archie couldn't have hit any better if he, if he tried yeah I, I put no blame on Joe for that there was so much power behind that shot that as soon as he struck it it was, it was basically past him before he even dived it was yeah. a, what they're talking about a one in a hundred but it is like a one in a million shot if he stayed on the train and going for fucking eight hours, you'd, you'd hit it maybe once. It was fantastic. He probably the best goal he'll ever score in his career. And fair play to him, but fucking you know, it just has to. It's, it's just fucking walls in it. It's always walls. It just has to be against us. It just is. It just is. Fucking go on. Go on. Oh, what are you on, Stuart? Banksy's. Banksy's golden today. Yeah. It was a You'll comment. Be from... We're talking about beer that's been mentioned in the. Uh, in the comments, it's it's not Dean a Mar- Love Island bottle, by the way. It's not a Love Island bottle. It's clear. <laughs> Dean Marsden in the comments for the audio listeners. Stu Banks is Jeffo Hobgoblin Josh Love Island bottle. <laughs> there we are. Me, <laughs> me, a cup of coffee that I left upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I could, so I could stay on the show. <laughs> <laughs> They've been kicked off again. Um, so, I mean, another player I wanted to mention before we get on to the big talking point of the, of the, of the show. Um, Bellegarde came off the bench and, and he certainly looked exciting in his, albeit brief, time um, on the pitch. And he got us back on level terms with, with a great effort. Slight deflection, but, but a great effort. Um, a nice little touch from Huang on the way, which gets me an FPL points there. Um, what, what do we think of Bellegarde? I mean, I'm, I'm, well, first off, I'm assuming... She was all delighted to get back on terms in the stands. But um, what do we think of the goal? And then what do you think of, of Bellegarde as well as a player? To be honest, I, I, he quite excites me, Bellegarde does. I think he's got a bit of an X factor about him. Yeah, he's got... I mean, he's 
like you say he's got the um the dribbling skill of a certain other um exciting player that but who couldn't hit barn door for years and now Bellegarde's done it in what three games um but yeah joking aside I, he looks good and if he hadn't got sent off against Luton would he have come out of the side because I don't think he would have done um but then if that hadn't happened wouldn't we have gone and got the points against Man City and Villa and who knows but I think it's it's kind of made from now to just drop in for Neto in we can't be playing Cunha out wide again and we can't be playing Sasha from the start with no service. It just doesn't work. Whoever good of a player he is um, on the floor, it just doesn't work. And I think, Bell, from what we saw yesterday, I know it's not a natural, natural fit, but would you have Bellegarde out of position over Sarabia? Yes. <laughs> would you have him over moving Cunha there? Yes. So I think it's, for, for the time being, I think it, it would work. It might be a bit awkward, but it would work. And he's But he's fearless. He's got something about him. Um, and he, considering he's not a youngster as well, coming from France, adapting as quickly as he has to the Premier League, which is not easy, especially if coming from there, he's got the physicality as well for such a small guy. I think he's, in, he's endeared himself already. Um, and there was, it wasn't mass hysteria in the away end because you, you're literally getting an equaliser against Sheffield United, which should be the, it should never be the case in the first place, but. And I kind of get it uh, a consolation goal cheer because I was so annoyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, obviously, that was to come. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a decent cameo for, in a different position than what we've seen before. I, I'm really excited about him. Josh, what do you reckon? Uh, Bellegarde's so, best position. Biggest respect for me was having a shot. You know, we've, <laughs> on about you know overplaying things like that. He's got the ball in around the box. I think it, it did take a bit of reflection, didn't it? But, you know, we've he's had a shot and look what happens. You, you know, he you, goes in sometimes. So, that was big respect for that. Obviously, he looked, he looked great against Liverpool. Didn't need, like, with that three, you know, like a three-man midfield. He really linked. He looked like he linked well with that. So, hopefully, maybe it's a sign of things to come. He's, I think you put him in against Tottenham, don't you? Because you know what we're going to do. We're going to get deep against Tottenham. Bit of pace on the counter sat there, going to play the full back tide. So you might want, you know, I think you bring him in. He's kind of the obvious choice in team. And if it's slightly out of position, you know, you bring your two battlers in of Gomez, Lamina, have a front three of Juan, Cunha, Bellegarde. And I think it look, looks good, you know. It's nice to have a player kind of come in and hit the ground running. It feels like it's something that doesn't really happen for Wolves. It's taken a while for that sort of happen. So, you know, look, good, good price as well. We've not really stupidly overpaid. So, Good, good start. Hopefully, it can continue at the weekend. Yeah, we did, we did better with these reasonable priced, priced buys, don't we? Uh, yeah. Jeffo, is he, um, is he your first team starter for you, Bellegarde? I think he's the best option um, that the club have got for replacing Neto at the moment, and he's, he's sort of um, he'd play that where Nunes was playing. You know, when Nunes was playing a sort of a, a, a wide midfield hybrid sort of role, yeah. he filled that in quite well. He's got a much better skill set and attributes, and and you know his body shape and that sort of thing is much better for that too for that role. So you 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 know you utilize what what's good about him. You know he's he's good on the ball. He's he's quite fast. You know he's powerful with it. He can drive with it. Why don't you play wide? It just seems silly to to try and shoehorn players in and then you know. Like Sasha just trying to shoe him, shoe, shoe on him in, and then not play to his strengths. You know the guy's six fucking seven, and they didn't put him across <laughs> him. So it, it's it's crazy. You, you play to your strengths, and you, you talk about put 
players in the right position and square pegs for round holes, you know, he, he, he sort of would be that the player that would naturally fit in because he's got the pace and the power to, to match what Neto was putting into the side. And, and when we're going to play it times, times teams like Tottenham, you know, where we're going to need to counter-attack, we're going to have to do the pace. Mm-hmm. You, you can't have Sasha jogging up the pitch because that's as fast as he can move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is no, no problem on him, but it's it's just you don't play to that sort of strength here. And you, and you play to... to what is the best about the side, and we are a counter-attacking side, so we, we've got to play, play the front three with pace, and that's what Bellegarde's got to come in for the next game, but we'll see what happens. Mm, right, so we're going to go for a break now, and then when we come back, we will digest, dissect sorry, the last 10 minutes of the game, which we, we're going to term as Fabio time. So we'll be back in a minute. Join us, please. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flattered to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, developing to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. Right, welcome back, guys. Now, we have to talk about Fabio. He came on, and um, if we are honest had a bit of a nightmare 10 minutes well plus eight added extra minutes of, of nightmarelessness as well um he came on got booked about 30 seconds later for smashing the sheffield united player in the back of the head with his with his elbow um and then we have the penalty incident um when i watch this you know when you have that um instant flashing before your eyes of something just before it's about to take place and you just see it in your mind's eye of what's going to happen. Well, I had that when Fabio kind of hesitated to, to clear from our area. And then obviously the incident happened. Um, I guess the first question I'm keen to get from you guys is, was it a penalty? It's like Fabio final destination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just put it there. Um, in real time, I thought he was 100% a penalty. Um, and when he gives it, then you know that that's it. Um, I know everyone's going to come at me again. I'm not, I'm not even talking about VAR anymore because it's pointless. But from, from the point of view of what it says, 
is that going to get overturned? Is it clear and obvious error? It looks from that one angle like he stood on his foot. You can argue it. You can argue that he doesn't. But when we all we were all got up back on the couch yesterday, and everyone was, oh well, they've steady on Sky to disgrace and Gary Lineker's, etc., etc. But Gary Lineker's been wrong about so many things this season already. Um, if you want to be a sad loser like me and read the rule book every year, <laughs> you kind of come from it from a different angle and. There's a difference between the rules and what things should be. <laughs> in law, he's given the penalty that is never, ever, ever going to be changed by looking at the replay that shows what that did. And we saw that last week against Newcastle. If it's the whole clear and obvious thing, which shouldn't be a thing, but again, wherever, it's never going to get overturned. So as soon as he give it, I thought, well, that's it then. <laughs> and when I saw it again, I thought, yeah, there's probably enough there for him to manipulate it to say, yes, it is. Um, but should it be? Obviously not. <laughs> but that's where we are. That's where we are with, with football as a whole in, in 2023. And you look at some of the stuff in that Newcastle Arsenal game, blatant push on in the back on the goal line, not given. A potential red card, which was a, a bad, bad challenge. If that was for us, he'd have get slint off straight away. He wouldn't have even got the yellow card, would he? Um, and it's not even been our... Woe is us, and it's all wolves. Everyone against wolves. It's just, it's just the way it is. And Arsenal got away with one, and then for the brass neck of them to come out with that silly little statement earlier after what they've got away with this season already. Nah, it's bollocks. The whole thing's shit. Um, it's a penalty in law. It's not a penalty in spirit. I'll just, I'll give up. I'll just give up at the minute. Like it, it's just throwing my head, and I'm fed up. Of every week, it being a refereeing decision, and it not so much just about the incident. It's just my head's just frazzled at the minute because it's always us, and it feels like it's all I'm talking about. I'm not going. Wolves have done well. Wolves, have, it's referee this. I think I feel at the minute like that Newcastle game. The VAR is and the referee standards are so low. They're the worst that they've ever been, in my opinion, because. They're not getting things right. And uh, there's no control in the game as well. That The amount of games this season I've gone, the referee's got no control of the game or inconsistent. I just can't wrap my head around it. And you'll have that Dale Johnson on Twitter will tell us it was uh, it was a decision. It was a penalty. And, you know, he'll give us this. Oh, Anthony Taylor wasn't demoted. He was actually rotated, you know, for his first championship game in five years. One bad week and he get, yeah, look, Come off it, mate. Come off the crack. What you're on? Just say you got <laughs> say you got demoted. Stop, stop the BS. Robert Jones will be in the championship next week, and they'll be lying to us again. <laughs> uh, just bear. What, what do you reckon? What did Eddie you see when it happened in real time? Yeah, I just uh, same as everyone. You know, I was like, oh, no, not again. Because the problem is, like, it's as been said in the comments as well. He had a chance to clear it. He should have just got rid of it. And then you start, you give a question, you give a question for him to answer the referees. They're going to go, yeah, okay, penalty. Because it's just the way that they've been this season. The the quality and the standard of refereeing, it's been easier just to give decisions. And then if it's really wrong, my mate will tell me and we'll fix it. If not, it's an on field decision, isn't it? It's, it's, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm falling out of love with football, to be honest, with the standard of of refereeing out there. And and the arrogance of it all, 
And it, you know, it all stems back to what Gary O'Neill says after the game. Then he went and chat with him, and he he says he looked at it, and he he says, "Yeah, it's still a penalty." Yeah, just I can't see how he can look at that and go, "Yeah, I was right." Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this but, is the thing uh, about myself. Yeah, and this is the thing. If he had, if it, if he'd had the bollocks to come out and say, on on that replay, you look at that replay and you say, "Is that a penalty?" Well, obviously, it's not a penalty, is it? <laughs> Because if it if it had been, it's one of them, the old thing of, if you hadn't awarded it on the field, would you have given a penalty for that? No. So if that's the, that's if that's the rules for that side of the game, then why is it not the yeah. same for the other? Why is it the other way? Yeah, it, it, it's like handball. It's whole. It's completely ridiculous. And all he had to say, if he come out and said, yeah, it was a penalty, but I couldn't do anything because of the rules, then fair enough. You had a bit of respect for him. But they're sewing up their own arses. I mean, I had this conversation earlier today um, that if you look at the, the rugby referees, which I know everyone wants to talk about rugby as this this glamour sport, well, we know what they get up to in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole referee respecting there, great, it works. But look what's happened when this has been tried to be introduced into football. Now only the captains can speak to the refs. It's made them invincible. It, they look untouchable. And the, the arrogance level has gone through the roof since they bought yeah. this in. It's like they've main characters, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's like you look at main I mean, characters. Oh. Referees should not be having Mossy on the boots like John Moss did two years ago. Scandal that was the start. Scandal. That was the start of all this. Richard Keys was right again. Shock horror. <laughs> it's a vision, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they can't be the centre of attention. I mean, you look at the NFL, the referees have a little number on the back with their initials. So you know yeah. where they are. But they are a number. They don't have the names on anything. They are a number. There's lots of them. They all back each other up. You've got the flag system. You've got the referral. It works properly. When you've got, like Jeff just said, when you've got arrogance on such a high level for every single one of them, and they're all backslapping each other and covering themselves, it's never going to work. <laughs> it's, almost yeah. to the, it's almost to the stage where I ain't got a problem with bringing referees in from other countries, wherever. But it's almost to the point where let's just bring in VAR from other countries. That would solve <laughs> half of the shit. Because then what they're going to do, they're not going to protect them. They don't know them. This pally pally nonsense is the reason why all this stuff's happening. Because the technology is fine. The technology is fine. We've brought Jav Gillard over because he, he come with a glorious reference and he's been dragged down to our level, hasn't he? He's tried to come with. The thing is, he was all right in the championship as well. But look, look what happens. You give him the power. This is what happened to. So this is what happened to Skeletor. He was, he was, he was drunk on power, and he went mad. <laughs> and the, these people have no respect for the game. All they're there for is themselves. And if you're a referee, what, what is your being anyway? You be, you want to be in, in part of the game. You want to be part of football. You're not good enough to play. So you referee, fine. It's a noble sport. It's a noble act. But when you try and make the game about you every single week, and then yeah, you want to back yeah. up your mate, it ain't on. It's never yeah, going to work. Just, it's unbelievable, isn't it, what, what we watch it. Like, the thing is, I'd, I'd love to believe it's like, and it feels like it, every week it's there's something against Wolves. But I think that incompetent, it can't be just corruption against Wolves. Because it, it can't keep, it would not keep happening. It, it's just, and like, you look yesterday, there was three VAR checks. There was that one where he stroked Dawson's arm and it's right against his body. 
that Lamina one as well, and the Fabio. You start the looking for it, and then Jack Robinson, the little Clitage, thinks he can kick Cunha Kari out, <laughs> and that's a thirty seconds look. Oh, and it's just it's so infuriating because next week we're going to be playing Bingo, and you're probably playing Bingo on the preview of what decision and what minute are we going to get done by VAR this week? Yeah, the, the, the Wolves way is that we lose to the bottom of the league this weekend. We'll probably go and beat Spurs now, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> the next with, with VAR in there as well. <laughs> I mean, you... one, of the, uh, one of the comments that actually was um, was made there, um, I think it was Matt Bradley, one of the comments made about like Fabio's hesitation was the doing a bit. And that's what I meant. That was my kind of Fabio final destination flashback there was that as soon as I saw him do that, that hesitation and not just hoofing it clear straight away, that's when I had that little thing of like, oh no, I can just, I just sense my spidey senses were tingling and I thought something, <laughs> was, something was just about to go down. But I mean, <laughs> the, um, well, we know it went down. It was bloody bulldog. <laughs> it was <laughs> bulldog. It was the one that went down, didn't it? <laughs> 5.9. But I mean, you think like all these decisions every week, surely, right, it's got to be, it should be it should I use the word should there in big bold letters it should be embarrassing for the Premier League shouldn't it the best league in the world and it is the best league in the world but we have to have surely to God the worst refs in the world and I think one of the another one of the comments I caught there just was about the refs have made a rod for their own back about making these types of decisions because I think at the minute that was it it's still with there we made the comment there the refs rolled themselves into a corner everyone's got to settle for sketchy shit pens because they've left themselves no option. I think because they've set a precedent with giving something for as as minute as, as that, they've got to give it all the time now. They can't not give it. Because as soon as they don't give one, they'll look at all these bank of evidence of these crap penalties being given and say, well, there you go, you're not being consistent. So they're being consistent, for, I suppose, in giving consistently shit penalties. <laughs> They've done it before. They they made they changed the rules and well, so I'm going to say made up the rules when they sent Lamina off last season because mm-hmm. that had happened every game of that season. And then we suddenly got to our game against Southampton where it's a six pointer and this rule appears and I think that might have been Jared Gillett. Yeah, racist. And it was absolutely. I don't want to use that word, but absolutely ridiculous. But you can, yeah. But <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous and apparent decision from a referee. And they do. They, you say you say they might not want to do that, but they do do that. They do change week to week because there's no consistency in the bullshit that comes. And it, and then they got the balls then to send their little crony onto Sky Sports on Monday or whenever it is and say, yeah, that, these were all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then fucking Jim Jim White standing there going, the fuck's going on? I mean, you, it. Mike Dean kind of confirmed all this, didn't he? In his, in his weird Mike Dean way, where he basically said that he didn't want to hurt his mate's feelings. Yeah, with a cookerella one more Well, there you are. You've literally got it in in writing that the whole thing is bent. It might not be corrupt for the reason that we all think, but they're not refereeing the games properly. So if that's not the case, then... It's only going to take someone to to bring legal action because it's getting out of, it's out of control now. Was, the it not, it's not, was the incident not the same? Very similar to Huang's last week. Yeah, it was exactly the same situation, and because it was given on the field, they can't do anything. But in that case, don't give it on the field. Just leave. It wasn't. It looked a penalty to start with. Yeah, fine. 
And like I said earlier, I thought it was at the time. So you're going to give the penalty. But if you're going to do that, you've got to have to change the rules somehow just to say, just get done with the clear and obvious stuff because it's they use clear and obvious when they want to anyway. It's not That's not consistent in itself. Look, we'll, guaranteed, we'll see this at some point. It felt very similar to what we've had the last two weeks given against one of the uh, one of the crown jewels of the Premier League, it'll be overturned. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. And at, at, at that point, what happens then? Well, you've already got two examples for this for us in two weeks, in two weeks back to back. The rules of the game haven't changed. And if some, when that happens, everyone is rightly allowed to go mental, like Gary O'Neill is constantly every week. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be, he's got to be, it's going to be like Leslie Nielsen at the end of the season. He's going to be that grey. It's, it's, it's going to turn. And well, I make I make at the minute that that's four. Correct me if I'm wrong. She, you might know more, but I mean, is that four VAR Rogerins we've had in eleven days? Eleven, 11 days. It feels like it. Eleven games. <laughs> um, it's Man U, Luton, Newcastle, and then yesterday, isn't it? Is that the well, main, those are the main ones? Yeah. I mean, Man United was the worst because they, when they show the audio and they even show they were completely incompetent, they weren't even looking at the right thing. Yeah, Luton, Luton was a weird, mad loophole thing, which will never happen again, but he's actually co- technically correct again. Yeah, um, again, yeah. But this is the problem. All of these things are technically correct, which is a big, bigger problem in itself. And like they've said, everyone has said the same thing, that the rules are made by people who've never kicked a ball. And this is the problem <laughs> because they don't know what they're doing. It might look good on paper and think, oh, yes, if you do this, then you have to be punished in this way. And But then <laughs> when it actually happens in, in reality, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not going to change. So we're going to be talking about this over and over and over again every week without fail because nothing's ever going to change. They're going to get more arrogant. The need to rework, in my opinion. Because I... How can yesterday you think about the penalty that Fabio's give away? So border, whoever it was, he went down. He's given away from goal. Fabio's gone to tackle him in a box where Wolves had all the players back. How does that constitute a free shot from twelve yards? It needs reworking. I've said this for years. I don't know how you rework it, but how does that constitute a free shot from twelve yards? Yeah, but this is because you're a youth. You can't mess with the penalty area. How does that work? How does that work? Like, (laughs) just think about that, and it. Like, so I don't know how you rework it, but what, what can you do? What can you do? Because he's getting away from goal there. How does that... Eddie can get a free shot. It makes no sense. You, you're going to just take the penalty area away. Is that you? Is that what yeah. you want to do? He, he, wants to, he wants to go to 90s yeah. MLS, though. He, want, he wants to do the run-up <laughs> from the... I actually <laughs> some skill. Not just free shots and 12 yards. That define games in big, potentially six-pointers, and you can get free games like that. I mean, it, it, the first thing we could actually do is... Not try and kick people in the penalty area, which would have nice, been a nice change. I mean, well, that, that would help people, to start with. Kick the floor and people are giving <laughs> Don't well, give them the op- If you don't give the refs the option, then they can't fuck us over. That's it's simple. Fun, way, this is Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> I do not seen VR the last three years. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we'll, um, we'll wrestle it away from VR for, for just a minute. And um, Jafar, welcome to this one. So, I mean, Rate him or hate him, and I know there's a lot of people out there really don't rate Fabio. Um, it was sad to see him, really sad to see one of our own players in tears at, at the end of the game. No, I mean, 
we, we know, as I said before, he had a terrible 18 minutes, didn't contribute really anything. Like I say, he had the yellow card straight away. He had a, a missed header, but that was offside anyway. And then conceding the penalty. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Because I, I, like I, say, I, I really want him to succeed, but I, I, I certainly don't want to see any of our players like leaving a pitch in, in tears. You can clearly see that, that it's affecting him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no one wants to see a player upset like that and, and in that sort of moment. But you're talking about a league game against Sheffield United. If it was a semi-final that we've been knocked out or we'd lost a final and he missed a penalty in the final, then that reaction's probably warranted. But just to give away a penalty in a game like that, he needs to show a little bit more resilience. And, and that's the one thing that's missing from his game. He just isn't resilient enough. And he's just not built for this league. He's a, we've given him a chance now. He's just he's not ready for it. He's he's not Premier League player. He's good in a league like PS where he was at PSV with in the Eredivisie. You know, he, he, a league that is a, of a lower standard than the Premier League, sort of Championship level. He'd do great. He'd be a fantastic player, but he's not built to play in the Premier League. He's just not. He's not fast enough. He's not strong enough, and he certainly hasn't got the resilience mentally to to obviously do it because he's he's acting and reacting in such a way. And it's it's sad. It's sad to see a, a young player be brought to a club for such ridiculous money, so much pressure put on his shoulders. You know, we all know what happened with Raul Jimenez and that whole situation that, that occurred to him playing more games than he probably should have done. But that was his sink or swim moment, and he he sank and he sank to the bottom of the ocean, and he's never come back up the walls. And it's it's a real sad sad um, situation that we find ourselves in, because the only good moment that he's ever had is scoring against the shit from down the road, and we still lost that fucking game, I believe, because <laughs> my memory's fucking blasted of all those games. But it's it's one of them. It's, it, he's never going to recover. He would need to have a monumental season at Wolves. And just scoring game after game after game to recover any sort of, you know, face. And Martin puts in the comments, he's on 80 grand a week. How could somebody who's, who's barely played a minute of football at a professional level before he comes to Wolves be on that stupid amount of money? It, it's silly. It was total mismanagement as a as a, uh, as a sign-in. And, and the club made a massive mistake and potentially destroyed a young player's career who could have been a lot better than he is. But he's just, he's not built for this league. And it's a real sad shame that they're going to have to cut their losses and get rid of him because that's the only way to move forward. I mean, Josh, yeah. do you think that, like, do you think as a flip side, um, to, you know, Jafar's comment there saying that it's, it's only a league game, is it, do you think that getting upset is because it shows you how much he's, how he cares, how much he wants to succeed. You know, he he, had, he, he doesn't get that many chances. So he, he came on yesterday. He only had 10, well, 18 minutes, including the added on time. And he's trying, he's trying to make an impact when he comes on. And to see him have, <clears throat> he probably acknowledges that it went such a nightmare. It's put him back, you know, at quite a bit, that performance yesterday. Does that, does it, does it, does that emotion show that he cares? You know, that he's, his will to his will to want to do well is is there. You know what he does. You know, I've got to admit, I can't kind of fault some of his in some of the games. He's got he's showed some endeavour, and he he's just generally been unlucky at times. But he's just not going to cut it here, is he? I think we're gonna the we've got to kind of accept it now. And I think you think of the momentum he had coming off the pre season, like 
Dublin, Luton, Wrens, I put on Twitter yesterday. You know, we went to United, didn't start, played against Brighton, didn't have a great miss that chance. And it's just like, it's just a fine margin. I feel like they constantly go against him. You know, and I, I think Wolves fans, I really want it to work out, but I think I've like, I think everyone needs to accept it's probably not going to. You know, he's he's been unfortunate. We've treated him so poorly at times in his career. You know, we did find a couple of nice low moves for him, in fairness. You know, went from Anderlecht, made the jump up to PSV and did well. That was like a good good move by the club, but it just ain't going to work for him, is it? And it, it's disappointing because £35 million, pounds, you want to, that's not, a, you know, it's a lot of money for a club like us and you want to see that him be the hero, but it's just never, never going to work out, is it? And it, it, it's it's disappointing, but you've also got to be realistic. And like you look, Sasha's probably had a similar amount of minutes and two goals. You know, mm-hmm. Sasha's won a six points and that's the big difference in it. Maybe it's the age thing experience, I don't know, but you just look and go, that's, if I was, if, you know, January comes, you're picking between the two, you're taking Sasha every time for me. And I think that kind of blows up the whole, oh, he hasn't had the minutes, he hasn't had the time. Well, where's what Sasha had then? And look at his look at his productivity. It's yeah, there's, there's I'm sick of the excuses for him. And I know it's harsh, he's 21 years old, he's also on 80 grand a week. Again, he didn't come, that's not his fault. He didn't want to be obviously cost 35 million dollars or whatever it was, euros, pounds. But the point yeah. is. How many times, how many chances does he need? He's been on loan. He had a great season last season. I believed it. I, I got drawn in again, thinking oh, that he's, he's changed. He's, he's going to start the Premier League. New start, new players, new manager, whatever. And then under Lopetegui, he might have worked. But again, it's, it's not. he's not here. So yet again, under a different manager, again, that might not be his fault. It's not his fault. But what is his fault is that he's shit in the Premier League. <laughs> he's obviously got talent, but not for England. And we've seen this over and over again. I mean, you could you could look you could just look now. I mean, if you were got a striker who scored fifty-two goals in one hundred and forty-three games in Spain over a six-year period, you think, oh yeah, get him in now. But would anyone here have William Jose back? No. The answer is clearly no. So. <laughs> You just have to realise sometimes that players are not cut out for the, the league that they're in. It happens. I mean, you've got players like Crespo, who was rubbish here. You've got players like, you know what I mean? Shevchenko didn't do it in England. Would you say shit? No. He's just not cut out for the league. And it's going to be the same with Fabio. Unfortunately, it's sad to see because he seems like a nice guy. But the, the tears at the end are more than likely due to the absolute hostile reaction that he got at full time. Which was probably a bit OTT, to be honest. But I think everyone's, it's not him, it's just frustration with the situation with him. And it's not going to get any better. And I know Gully's going to come and attack me again for doing this, but he's not good enough. He's simply not good enough for the Premier League. He hasn't got the attributes. It was a nice gamble in theory, but it's massively backfired on us from a, from a monetary point of view for his career and for us as a club because we've got no strikers. When you look back, Effectively, it was what, and I was ten million pence, but we swapped Jota for Silver. Boy, what a bad transfer that! Like, what a like shocker that was. Okay, for you know hindsight, whatever. But Jesus Christ, you look back now and just get, you can't believe quite the difference in careers, can you? Really? 
so I mean, so, so where do Fabio and, and Wolves go go from here? Like we say, he's, he's only twenty one. We know how much he we know how much he cost, but I mean, to me, the, the club have already been they've already gone a bit public, haven't they? By saying that they they want another striker in, so I think they've kind of shown their their hand really in that regard, and that they want to get another number nine in. Funny enough, Fabio is our number nine at the moment, but. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we don't see him in old gold again after after January, or, or certainly he won't last beyond this this season. Because let's not forget, like he had he had his two low moves, and through his agent, was it? He didn't really want to come back, did he? Let's face it, he, he didn't he didn't want to come back in there. I think, as you said before, uh, Josh, he, he's been completely mismanaged since since he joined the club, hasn't he? he we really should have, like, again, hindsight, 2020, but really should have sent him out on loan the season that we got him. But, you know, circumstances dictated that, you know, he played and he, he had to play a lot of, you know, the, the COVID season where he didn't score. And he hasn't yet to score this year. He, he just looks like he's a bit unhappy. I mean, he's given it his best, he's given it his best go. And he, like I said before, he wants to succeed. But is the most likely outcome now a loan out in January with a view to a permanent transfer and we get like a fraction of, of the money back from him and we're just going to have to write this off. And unfortunately, he's had like three years delay in his development of his career. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how much would anyone take? How much would you take for him now? 10 million? If, if someone offered 10 million, I'd snap, hand, snap their hands off just to get him out the door for everyone's sake. Because it, it's just... <laughs> the more this goes on, the worse it's going to get. And I think everyone's been pretty patient with him up until this point. But that cameo yesterday was beyond awful. And you can say, oh, he's not match fit. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. You look at players like Bellegarde, new to the league, already done more than Fabio Silva has this season. That's not a problem, is it? That's not our problem. It's his problem. Get him out the door in January. Doesn't matter where to. And then just get what we can. Get him pittance. Just get him... Get just. Draw a line under it for everyone's sake. It just hasn't worked. Write it off. We spent, I mean, there was a comment in there from Martin W. There, worst transfer in our history, considering the price. I'd say it, it was a gamble that didn't work, especially when Geddes cost what similar. Um, yeah. Was that 27 or something like that? Something mental? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And he's never coming back. And he's got no prospect of doing anything because he's a, well, we know where he is. That's worse than him because he was a, he was a toxic influence on a lot of people, a lot of the youngsters, and he needed to be got out the door. If they can write off the money for Geddes, they can write off the money for Fabio, and just get him and just for his sake more than ours, just let him have a career elsewhere, just not in this country. Yeah, it's, it's, we know he can score goals because when every whenever he goes away to the, the Portugal under twenties, twenty ones, whatever. We always hear during the week, don't we, that he's scoring goals. I appreciate it's a different scenario, different environment, different quality of player. So we, we know that there is a finisher in there, but as we said, it's, I, I think it's a bit. I just feel it's a bit sad. I really wanted him to. I really wanted it to work out with him, but it's just increasingly. Well, it's almost staring us in the face now, isn't it? That it's just not, just not really going to work, is it? And it's. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because, like, like I said, Josh, it's a lot of money, isn't it, for the club to just to, to commit? It is. It is. I, I look. I remember, like, I think I might have been after the pod after Liverpool, and that's when I'd realised it just weren't never going to happen. 
he come on and he just did nothing. And it's a shame, because, but I think the problem is the youngsters, like you look at some of the best ones ever come through and they've got to have a standout quality in there, like pace, finishing ability. He's got good movement. That's about all I can give for him. And I think in the Premier League, you're going to get defenders of wise to that, you know, the seasoned veteran defenders that they know what they're going to get with the strikers. Far better strikers out there than him. You know, and we'll buy one in January for probably between 10 and 20 million and he'll score probably more goals in the last six months of the season than Fabio's going to score for us. And it's the way it works sometimes. It is, it's just a shame, but what can you do? You can't keep... It's, everyone's giving him a go. I think a lot of fans on Twitter, like they get this mixed up that we want... That fans don't want him to succeed, they do. There's nothing they want more than Fabio to give him break Steve Ball's record, but <laughs> there's also the practicalities. It's just never going to happen, and he's not good enough for that. Here's a question for you then, Jafo. Uh, we we mentioned earlier, I think Steve mentioned earlier, that Sasa, as he's had similar minutes, scored two goals. Does Fabio Silva score the two goals that Sasa scored for us in the league? So against Everton and the one against uh, Bournemouth? Um, simply no. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have the composure. He doesn't have the the attitude to do it. And Sasha, and the word was brought out earlier, but it is experience as well. He's played a lot more minutes. He's played a lot more games at a very high level. Sasha has, but he has an ability there. You can see with Sasha that he has uh, a tenacity and a willingness to want to do it. And that, and there's not many people in the squad that would, you know, score the goal that he did, you know, last week. And where he's come back, he's won the ball back against, um, against, the name just escapes me. Yeah. Um, and he won the ball back and then turned in, made the run straight away, finished it. You just don't see Fabio doing it. You just don't, you, We've never seen that sort of guile and, and tenacity from him. And he's, he always finds himself starting his runs from strange positions, slightly wider or, you know, from, from too deep. It's, it's never one where he, he works. It's, it's, it's a shame because he, he, he's obviously a good player, but he needs to find his level. And it once, once you perform at your level, you're going to improve. You can't. You know, if you were what you wanted to improve as a footballer, you go and play at a level you were comfortable at, get comfortable and improve your areas in your game at a lower level. So then you could step up. You wouldn't go from not playing a, prof- a professional game like Fabio did to being in the Premier League. It just doesn't happen. It would have been a lovely fantasy story and it would, be, would have been brilliant for him, but it's just never going to happen. Never in a million years is it going to happen. So I, I feel bad for him, I really do. But like I say, as we've said, it's he, he, Sasha's obviously a much better footballer. So Fabio's minutes are going to be minimal, minimal to say the least. So I might as well just get rid of him in January. Yeah, and I've got to pay fifty quid to uh, my dad's charity because I said he'd, he'd score over ten goals. So wonderful. <laughs> for charity, though. Yeah, for charity. Got for charity though. Right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I say it's a shame. 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 It'll. It'll. It'll all end in tears, which well, it did yesterday. So, <laughs> um, on that. Uh, on that cheery note. Um, thanks to all you 
listeners, YouTube viewers, and for, for taking the show. And thank you to all you, you guys for your comments as well, adding to the show. Thanks for all these been our podcast provider. Uh, please keep up to date with, with everything on the fancast at, at Wolves Fancast on Twitter. I'm not saying X, still Twitter to me. Facebook and Instagram. Um, Lil Dan will probably be back before the Spurs game with a preview show. So until we meet again, it's goodbye from Josh. See you later. It's goodbye from Jafo. See you on the other side. And it's goodbye from Stu. The other side of what? Death. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, the only thing, that's the only thing that's going to save us from VAR. So, that's yeah. the only thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> And that nail. <laughs> and that <laughs> nail in the coffin. Uh, Super put his clock back up and it's goodbye from me. Keep smiling, everyone. <laughs>